This week's episode is brought to you by Mark Rycroft's creepy-ass Santa Claus pocket square. He sees you when you're sleeping, and he knows when you're awake, and he just might come to the screen and stab you with a candy cane if you take your eye off of him. Thanks. So, look out for that, dude. <laughs> now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that, man, folks, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Alice, and you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for December 21st, 2015. Coming up on the show, Varley, 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 and Varley, and maybe some other stuff. But before we play the whoosh, I have some disembodied voices to introduce you to. BSN are here on Mass today, as joining us again are Cole Hamilton. Hey, Cole. Hey, how's it going? As well as Andy DeRoe. Hi, Andy. Hello, hello. And AJ is back as well. Glad you're off the side of the road. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you. Well... Let's get things going then because we've got four games to get through. The Avalanche have been very busy since you heard from us last, racking up four wins in seven days. We begin in St. Louis. Avs win 3-1 over the Blues with goals from Jack Skilly, John Mitchell, and Carl Soderberg into the empty net. Story of this one, though, was Simeon Varlamov, who stopped 42 of 43 shots on his way to a well-earned first star. Then on Tuesday, Avs win 3-0 over the Blackhawks in Chicago. One of the team's best all-around performances of the season. Matt Duchesne, Zach Redmond, and Gabe Landeskog into an empty net. Your goal scorers. And Varlamov stopped all 29 shots he faced on his way to a well-earned first star. On Thursday, we returned to Denver for a game I actually missed. A 2-1 victory over the New York Islanders. But I see both Avalanche goals are scored by one Francois Beauchemin. And Varlamov stopped 33 of the 34 shots he faced on, a way, on his way to a well-earned second star. And Saturday, finally, Avs win at home, wailing on the Edmonton Oilers 5-1 with goals from Blake Como shorthanded, Tyson Berry on the power play, Nick Holden, Jerome McGinley, his 598th, and Jack Skilly. Colorado come out flying, but so did the Oilers. There were something like 17 shots on goal in the first eight minutes, and it devolved into defensive shell hockey for Colorado pretty quickly. Varlamov stopped 39 of the 40 shots he faced on his way to a well-earned first star. So, stories this week. Anything more pressing than suddenly Simeon Varlamov's save percentage has corrected all the way up to 921? You remember when that was like 880? Uh Yeah, yeah, like 10 days ago. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Harley and Sergei Bobrovsky sitting at, you'd see the charts of the full league save percentages, and it's Simeon Varlamov and Sergei Bobrovsky as the bottom two goaltenders. And, I mean, it just anyone who believed that was going to last all that long was kidding themselves. No, it's because mm-hmm. Dave Farish. <laughs> Farish! No, I That's mean, all it was. Wah has been hard on Barley through the first quarter of the season because, you know, Varley hasn't been very good. And you can blame the defensive system, but I actually did a look on it. And, um, no, it, it was mostly just Varley not stopping the shots that he needed to stop. And now that's turned around. And he's playing like himself again. You know, he's stopping everything. I think that Wa and, honestly, most Avalanche fans have – an incredibly high uh, level, a bar set for what Barlamov needs to be playing for him to be considered, you know, successful and doing what he's supposed to. But the thing is, is that he can actually reach that bar and often surpass it. 
So um, high expectations, but he's finally living up to them again. It's nice to see. It's He is the biggest reason we're on a five-game winning streak right now. 8-2-0 yes. in their last 10. And he's the biggest reason for that as well. Only team hotter is Washington at 8-1-1. You think Varley's what nine and nine and two in his last eleven starts? I think I saw. Mm-hmm. I um, want to say I heard that too. I think that sounds right. I mean, there's no doubt he's been dominant. Um, you know, it, at the same time, though, uh, you got to be careful because we've seen this all before. Um, I, I think you could argue, with the exception of a, of maybe the Nashville game, the Chicago game. Uh, I'm a little torn on the Edmonton game, but I think I think for the most part you could argue the Avs are back to playing some pretty bad hockey again. Um, after a stretch in November where they were really starting to get on the other side of possession, they're right back to getting outshot and uh, dominated for large large parts of games, and their goaltenders hanging, uh, you know, keeping them in there. We saw this in 2013. We know what comes next if they don't start to turn the tide. Now, I know they've been up 2 nothing in the first period, like six games in a row or something. And, and you know, we've, we've seen Patrick Waugh's how he wants this team to play with a lead. Uh, but that's that's got to change long term or, or, or they're just going to be right back to the team that we saw earlier this season and at for the majority of last season. Well, I will say, though, that they have shown that they can play defensive hockey. It's just a matter of doing it consistently. Um, and with Varley playing like this, that's just how they do. And he, Varley really seems to thrive on a lot of shots, especially when he can see them. Yes, I would like to see the Avs limit the shots against, but, you know, our possession numbers have turned around. Um, even from November, they're coming up on almost respectability now, which is a little crazy. Yes, the team has a lot of room to improve. Yes, the defense is still what the defense is. But right now, to me, it feels like there's at least a light at the end of the tunnel. That, yes, there is still a lot of room to improve. And yes, the team does need to get better at limiting shots and possessing the puck and getting stuff on net. But for the first time in a long time, it feels like we're actually heading in the right direction. And um, yeah, there have been some games recently even where like the Chicago game, that was, that was good hockey from the Colorado avalanche. Surprisingly. I I suspect that you two are talking about two different numbers here. Um, because I, I want to suspect that Cole's talking Corsi and Andy's talking Fenwick. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's part of it. But I, I'm also just thinking, you know, you look at a game like last night, and yeah, the Avs pounded the Oilers 5-1. But, you know, just a couple of bounces, and that becomes a very different game real oh, yeah. quickly. Taylor Hall looked like he was fucking Alex Ovechkin out there. He was everywhere. He could have scored three goals easy. I do not uh, want to see that. And he scores, you know, he scores one of those goals in the first period, or he scores that that goal in the second to make it two one um, on the huge toe save by Varlamov, and and suddenly it's a very very different game. 
Um, I don't like the way that this team plays with a lead. I haven't liked it for three years. And I think in the last week we've really seen, we, we, I mean, we've seen them playing with a lead a lot. Uh, and, and I think it's a problem. I think it's really, really troubling um, when you see a game like Nashville where they came out and they played really great hockey for maybe 30 minutes. Uh, and then everything that made them successful goes out the window and Tyson Berry and Eric Johnson stop skating past the blue line at any point in the game, and and they start, you know, doing was late game turtle. Uh, I I think it's a problem. I think that they need to to get together because Varlamov's not. I mean, he is a great goalie. I consider him an elite goalie, maybe a top five goalie in the NHL, and I've stood by that all year, but. He's not going to maintain like a .96 or .97 like he's done over this past month. Uh, and if he doesn't, you lose maybe two of those five games on this win streak. Maybe three of them. If he's just good. If he's a if he's a nine one six goalie. Well, that's what we saw at the beginning of the year. Is that he was, well, not even good. He was a little bit subpar, but the team didn't play very well in front of him. Um, But then when you look at November, you know, I don't think that was just goalie driven. I think the team actually got some stuff figured out in November. It's just a matter of doing it consistently. And the question becomes, you know, is that consistency just a, a mental thing that they need to figure out how to put it all together and keep doing it night after night or, what else is happening because you know this team I'll agree that they have had some rough outings the St. Louis game was painful in the second period especially most of the games have been painful in the second period yeah um is it just a mental block that they need to push past is there something system-wise that needs to be adjusted or, or what? Um, but I think that, like I said earlier, there there is hope. They are showing positive signs um, that they can turn it around, that they, you know, are able to get it figured <laughs> out. And after a rough adjustment period at the start of the year, it's uh, it's an encouraging sign. One big positive change I've definitely noticed lately is that the team are very consciously working on supporting the breakout better. Yeah. Yes. Um, it helped that last night Edmonton's forecheck appeared to be throw guys all over the place and see what happens. Um, well, it's Edmonton, so yes. But <sighs> we've you see, you know, three or four guys breaking a puck out instead of one defenseman getting forechecked by two guys trying to get a pass all the way up to the far blue line. I'm glad that stopped. Um, I think we're all in agreement that Aginla was good last night, for sure. Mm-hmm. I will take your word for it. Jibbles <laughs> called in the second period that Jerome Aginla was due for due for a goal in that one and totally earned it. He was. He had. I mean, he had a number of chances, and and uh, it won't get talked about as much. But I think Alex Tenge had a pretty okay game last night too certainly an improvement over some of his others um 
And it, it's always kind of seemed to be the case for the Avs that as one of those guys goes, so does the other. Um, but Tenge set him up a couple of times for nice, nice chances. And uh, he could have scored two or three last night if it wasn't for a couple of bounces. Um, he had that really, really stellar move uh, to carry through through the crease and try and reach far side on Nilsson. Uh, but he made a pretty nice pad save. Um, I was glad he got rewarded with a goal there at the end. He certainly earned it. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what you guys think needs to change um, specifically with the lead. I mean, apart from saying quit just trying to block every shot. I mean, what what specifically you guys think needs to change to um, make the Avalanche better at protecting a lead? The number one thing for me is puck support from the defenseman in the offensive zone. Um when the Avs have a lead, especially of more than one goal, uh, you'll notice those guys get way, way, way less aggressive at the opposing blue line. Um, and the Avs, as a result, uh, don't have nearly as many extended offensive possessions. You're not going to see a guy like Johnson or Barry or Holden or even Beauchemin does this really well, pinch down the boards to support their guy on the on the half boards and try and keep a puck in. They're always going to play more conservatively stick up at the blue line or even behind the blue line uh, so that they don't give up an odd man rush. And that like fear of giving up an odd man rush, uh, it, it seems to me to create a lot more possession for the opposing team because it, they're giving up, uh, they're giving up their own blue line easier. Uh, they're giving up the opposing blue line easier. Um, they're letting teams come into the zone and then waiting to block the shot instead of continuing that kind of, hard forecheck uh, abs that, that we've seen be successful. The other thing that I at least somewhat noticed, I don't know how consistent it is, but it seems like when the abs have a lead, they dump the puck in more. Um, whereas when they don't, there is more of an effort to get it in um, entering the zone with possession. Um, I think that that's a, another minor detail on the, the scoring side of things that uh, hasn't exactly worked out. And, yeah, I lost what I was going to say next. So, continue. Too much dumping. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, at least we see less punting out of the defensive zone. I mean, <laughs> you're still good for one really ugly icing, at least, per period but it's better than it was. Mm-hmm. I'd make an Aginan joke, but I don't want everybody to jump all over him right after he had a really good game last night. Yeah, he actually did. He did good things. A few good things. Cheryl and I celebrated. It was lovely. <laughs> I, I, that was probably Gannon's best game of the year. Yeah, he had a nice night. Uh, he even he even did some nice things in the in the ozone, which is so rare for him. But oh yeah, he that, made, that, he that, made that a couple really pass. heads up plays. Yeah, that slap pass off the boards. I mean, he really he was he was buzzing last night. It was nice to see. Um, and he activated uh, Zach Redmond a little bit a couple of times too. He he got Redmond the puck on a really really excellent end to end rush, um, and and was supporting well on that. Um, so good to see that effort from him, even if it hasn't been there every night. He's definitely been, I, I want to say lately, Gannon's been not terrible. He's been, he's been fine in my opinion. I mean, you get, you get the things that you get with him. 
You know, you get occasionally he'll <clears throat> I mean they say occasionally, but all too regularly he'll he'll punt a puck and you know he'll <laughs> he'll miss a guy for an easy breakout and it'll end up as an icing and you know, and then they get stuck in their own zone because they lose the faceoffs because Colorado sucks at winning faceoffs, but you know, faceoffs don't apparently matter because here's a here's a Corsi chart. But, you know, you see all these you see all these different things and it's just like he's okay. I mean, he's he gets destroyed most nights, but he's a he's a third pairing guy who's not going to be around for very much longer, and he's just keeping keeping the seat warm for somebody else. I just don't. I guess maybe maybe I'm just burned out three years of being angry about it. I just don't have it in me anymore. And I just I I actively like look for things that I want to say like that are nice about him now, just because I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of beating the drum blindly that Nate Gannon is terrible and. You know, Nate Ginnon, Nate, Nate Ginnon does plenty of little things well on a regular basis, and he never gets any credit for it. So I'm going to stick up for the little man today. Why not? Yeah, YOLO. It's a good time for it since we just saw him play really well last night. He even came across to the other, to, like, to cover for the other defenseman, like, on the opposite side of the ice. He didn't bleep bloop in front of the net. I'm sure he was, I'm sure he was gassed after that. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. But but it was a shame he wasn't able to get an assist on that slap pass. That was a thing of beauty. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really want to get you guys thoughts, kind of selfishly, on the Islanders game because um, obviously I I'm, I missed it, like I said, and uh, judging by what I saw online afterwards, it was it looked like it was a pretty exciting game to watch. I was frustrated. I was at the game um, up in the upper bowl, so I could see most of the ice um there were a lot of shots uh one thing that stood out in my mind is during that game especially nathan mckinnon would bring in the puck um into the offensive zone and then pull up before he got to the top of the circles and look to make a pass instead of keep driving ahead go to the net make a shot um he would do what Duchesne did for many, many years is go to a spot, pull up and wait for the rest of the team instead of, you know, continuing the rush, using his speed and getting a shot. So I was really frustrated with that. Um, the Islanders really buzzed. I thought that they had a lot of, uh, good chances and, uh, it actually didn't surprise me that they were the ones who ended up scoring the goal that won us the game. That was Definitely an own goal. Um, I don't know. I I wasn't watching the Corsi chart throughout the, the game, but it definitely seemed like, at least from my vantage point, the Islanders were the better team that night, and it was by the luck of the hockey gods that we managed to get the scoring, um, that second scoring chance, the, the goal. So, um, yeah, I, it definitely wasn't our worst game by any stretch, but I wasn't particularly uh, overly pleased with the abs during it. Um, and again, this is just from in arena, so uh, take that for what you will. It's interesting that you bring up McKinnon because uh, the nine only do have two goals this week. Colorado have scored, what, six, eight, 13 goals this week? 
And one was Duchesne and one was Landeskog. It's been very much secondary scoring this week. Um, what you describe McKinnon doing is very much uh, a move of non-confidence, a move of, I don't think I'm going to get this in, where's some help? Absolutely. And, and I'm not real sure where the help is either. I don't trust him to follow up on a pad pass. Yeah, no, I... He's definitely snake bit. He knows he's snake bit, and he's not taking the active steps he can be to break out of it. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's like what Duchesne went through. It's it's that confidence thing. Once he gets back on a roll, he'll be fine. It, it's just a matter of mentally thinking to himself, yes, I can make this shot. Yes. I need to go to the net and get it on net and uh, keep going at it, even though nothing seems to be falling right now. He seems frustrated in his game. He seems um, unconfident of, you know, his abilities right now. And I'm sure that'll turn around eventually. Um, overall, I have been very, very happy with his play this season, but yeah, he, he definitely is struggling with confidence right now, and it comes through very, very clearly in his game. Yeah, it'll pass. I don't see any of that. What do you see? I just I just see a guy who's just not scoring goals right now. I think he's doing all the same things that he's normally doing. I think when you when you watch a guy come into the zone and pull up like that, I think it's best to look at the individual situation that he's doing it in because if he goes in there and he's by himself and it's one on two or one on three, you know, how, I mean, how many times in the NHL do guys, do guys split that D and make great moves and score goals? And, you know, like most of the time it ends up just in the turnover. So instead of him dumping the puck, which is also really frequent in those situations, I'd rather just have him do what he's doing. I'd rather him stop, take a look and see if there's something he can do. He can either keep the puck or he can dump it around if, if there's nothing there. Or he can find somebody he can find somebody to pass it to. It's not I mean, this isn't this this that everybody used to drill Duchesne for this, and it was always he has line mates that can't keep up with him. You know, he's got slow line mates. Now Duchesne and McKinnon are playing together, and it's like, okay, well, what's McK what's the excuse for McKinnon this time? I mean, I guess if you want to say it's confidence, that's fine. I just don't, you know, I just personally I'm just I just don't I just don't really agree. I don't see well, that. I don't, I, I don't see him struggling confidence-wise on the ice. I see him consistently pushing play. He gets the puck and he goes. I see him. He's he's more decisive than he's ever really been in his career. He looks. He sees something and he goes. He makes a decision. He's not sitting around holding the puck and looking around and trying to make decisions. It's not like trying to watch Blake Como when he's doing cute things with the puck all the time because he makes decisions really slowly. He's He's playing at a really, really fast level all the time. I just don't know that. I think I think he needs more than anything. I think he should he should really maybe relax a little bit. Like I think he's putting a lot of pressure on himself and a couple conversations that I've had with him lately have been very you know, he's been he's been, you know, I'm I'll get it. It'll be fine. I'll get there. I'll get there. He's just, you know, it's just not going in for him right now. I just don't see him struggling in any particular way. He's still producing. His line is still doing good things. I don't. I don't feel like he's done anything that has stood out to me in a negative way in a long time. I think he's been fine. Well, I would say on that too. It's it's kind of like learning how to be a point guard in basketball. You have to know 
when to push ahead and when to pull up and wait for the rest of your team to catch up with you when you're on the rush. And I think that's part of just him adjusting to center is learning how to make those reads because yes, pulling up is sometimes absolutely the right choice. But when, you know, in, especially in the Islanders game, he did it time after time after time. And you know, that it's a balance. You have to learn how to read the play, learn how to decide whether or not to push it or to hold back. And I think that's a, a nuance of being a center at the NHL level that he hasn't, at least in my opinion, quite mastered yet. It'll come around. Um, this is a minor nitpick. I have no problems with McKinnon's game overall right now, but I think that there are still things that he's learning as a centerman and uh, it'll turn around. I would say that I didn't have as good of a vantage uh, last night. I was, I actually got free tickets and was fifth row up. So I didn't uh, get to see what he was doing quite as much, but um, it seemed like he had, he was doing better with his zone entries and pushing the play um, further into the zone last night but again I can't say for sure since my viewing angle was a little difficult to get a read on that he'll turn it around he'll get it learned that I mean like I said no problems with his game but you know there's still definitely a growth process happening with him so this is why I'm saying this will pass and we're not sitting here going well what's wrong with Nathan McKinnon it's because he's still you know he's he's not out there doing bad things is that the difference that I see is that him not personally getting shots um as we look at it i've i pulled up his every game in december um he has individually taken um starting on the first he took four shots then he took three shots one shot four shots okay strong start and then he's got zero one two zero zero one he's getting fewer shots through personally and that's Wait. the difference that i see where, where are you seeing that on War on Ice, this is at even strength. Uh, you can oh even strength. Yeah. Okay, I have his. I have just his totals pulled up because yeah, I'm looking at like I the guy. It's been 23 shots since the guy scored a goal. Has it? I, yeah, I mean he's it's like it's you know it's coming. He's uh, be fine. Um, he, his only, last six games. Only one of those games he's been held without a without a shot total. It was the Pittsburgh game. Yeah. Uh, where where the Avs admittedly, you know, really laid an egg. But he's only got three at even strength in the last six, and that's not where his game has been. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in those in those six games, he also has five assists. Yeah, I would say that yep. it looks like he's he has a pass-first mentality right now, um, which, is, again, isn't necessarily bad, but with Nathan McKinnon, you would ideally like to see a little bit more shoot first, and... He'll get back to that. I, it's just a mental adjustment. Um, but yeah, minor nitpick of his game. Well, this happened to Matt Duchesne uh, one December where we were starting to wonder, will Duchesne ever score a goal again? But he went like every game in December with at least one point because he was setting up goals for everyone else. He wasn't mm-hmm. putting them in, them in himself. We weren't sitting here going, what's wrong with Matt Duchesne? There was there was a difference in the way he was playing the game then because they weren't going in for him so he's putting him in for someone else. And that's all I'm saying is there's a difference there. It's not a bad difference. It's just a difference. 
Yep, I would agree. And uh, what McKinnon is going through is something that Duchesne has definitely gone through multiple times over multiple seasons. It's it's a normal growth process. Um, and it's nice that, unlike Duchesne, who kind of had to navigate it by himself, he didn't really have that guy to go talk to McKinnon now has somebody to bounce ideas off of, to talk it through with if he needs that in Matt Duchesne, because Dutchie has been there. Um, and I think that having the two of them playing together is a good thing on, on a few different levels. And they both talk about leaning on Joe Sackick at times too, which is always cool to hear. Yeah. Um, so do we want to move on to the recent uh, moves in Avalanche Prospects and Junior? Had a couple sure. of trades happening that I don't know the details of, so I'll let somebody <clears throat> else explain that one. Uh, yeah, so Malosh was reportedly dealt from Bay Como, which is far and away. Like I can't stress that enough. Far and away, the worst team in the queue. Maybe the uh, worst team in, in all of juniors. No, they probably are, honestly. They're horrific. Like, very, 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 very bad hockey team. Uh, was traded to, reportedly traded to, to the Gatineau Olympiques for um, one, of their, one of the 99 birthdays on their roster and a couple first-round picks. So, you know, that's a super heavy price to pay in junior. Where's Gatineau fall? Uh, right now, they are third in their division, but they are within striking distance. I mean, they're they're competitive. Okay, they so, should be a playoff team. Yeah, yeah, they'll be they'll be competitive, and Malosha's addition is only going to make that much much more so true. So that's it's a huge deal for him because he goes from being the only player worth a damn on Bay Como, who was just kind of like stuck on an island out there. You know, he's he goes from that um, to a, a winning situation in uh, in Gatineau, a competitive situation, which is just an enormous difference for him. It's great for his development. It's great for it's great for the Avalanche um, to to get him kind of out of that sinkhole. And I don't think he'll be the last one. I think Kyle Wood is probably probably on his way somewhere else as well because North Bay is kind of shifting into rebuild mode. So I think we'll see. I think we'll see something with Kyle Wood after the holiday, um, assuming assuming there is no OHL trade deadline that has passed that I don't know of. Then uh, I think we'll start to see we'll see him on the move as well. And then obviously AJ Greer uh, did actually leave Boston, and he went from you know playing on their third line, and he's going to the Rowena Naranda juggernaut that's dominating the queue with uh two other abs prospects and Nantel and uh JC Baudin. So that's that's only gonna be really good for him. He'll be a really interesting fit. It'll be really interesting to see how he goes from how he handles the transition from playing kind of mucker minutes and with a lot of emphasis on his physical play style that he had at Boston to kind of playing in the more free flowing up tempo Quebec League where, you know, his you certainly hope that his scoring takes a leap. 
Yeah, well, and the assumption is that with his skill set and his size and everything, he's going to get some very real minutes with the Huskies yeah. uh, in a in a scoring role. You know, it wouldn't even be surprising to see him on a line alongside one of Bodine or, or Nantel. Um, so it it'll be uh, it, it'll be a fun one for Avs fans to look out for. I, I'm really excited to see specifically where they put him in that lineup and who they try to uh, who they try to match him up with. And if you have to hope they, I mean, he only makes them better and that he keeps, they, I mean, they as a team keep the ball rolling because it'd be great to see both Red Deer and Ruin Naranda in the Memorial Cup this year. Just a swath of avalanche prospects in the highest <laughs> stage. That'd be, God, that would be wonderful. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that being a high price from Alosh. Um, I don't, I definitely don't know much about Junior, but I, I do know that teams have, the smallest window ever to compete because yeah. good yeah. players stick around <laughs> for they, they leave so quickly they they age out or they move up to their next league so yeah when, when you got that window you've got to go 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 yeah well when you try and get you try and match up you know when you get certain guys like with red deer they were they were okay last year and then they spent you know knowing that they were hosting the memorial Cup, they spent all summer kind of selling off future assets bringing higher higher quality guys in to make their overall roster much better, much more competitive so that they don't they don't get embarrassed hosting the Memorial Cup. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and you know, I mean Bake Homo was obviously awful. So getting rid of Maloche was a big, big thing for them. Everybody knew <laughs> it was gonna happen because there's no reason. What is it? A team that is that bad, that far behind in the standings already, with a guy that good What's the point? Like, what are you gonna? I mean, there's no, there's no upside to keeping him around. You're not gonna be competitive at any point during that guy's career. So they, they, in in return, they got first round picks in 2017 and 2018, and they got a guy who was a second round pick in the most recent um, um, entry draft into the queue. So they got, I mean, they got high high value assets. You know, and the guy that they got was not actively playing for Gatineau. He was playing for their, like, their whatever their, like, junior team or whatever is. Like, their their feeder system, you know. And uh, that guy will probably come in for Baycomo and, and just start rolling. So, so that'll be, I mean, it's good, good for them. You know, they got, but it's, I mean, for a junior, like, that's an expensive price. You know, and, and the other thing to, to keep in mind here is that um, Bekomu was better last year, certainly, uh, but they were they weren't exactly world beaters either. Um, they were you know a little bit above five hundred. Uh, they were an okay team. It, so this is going to be the most talent that we've ever seen Nicholas Maloche um, surrounded by, uh, and and there are scouts out there that really really like him and like him even better than where the Avs uh, drafted him this this past year. Or so. It's going to be interesting to see how he handles uh, that kind of talent, how he handles being in a really hyper-competitive situation, um, and seeing if the Avs really have found a gem in this guy. Yeah. Sounds like good developmental moves all around. I think he's awesome. Oh, hey, shit. Speaking of awesome, Nikita Zadorov just scored. Sweet. Describe the goal in explicit language. So I will describe the goal as I read the words Zadorov scores, putting the rampage up three two. <laughs> <laughs> so 
there you have it. Um, so we had just heard about Zadorov's clearly incredible goal that he scored. Oh. You know. Game-changing. Highlights for days. Oh, yeah. Puck goes, you know, off the Twitter timeline right into the net. It's beautiful. I mean, if you want to, you know, do the just the basic recap of any Rampage game from afar without watching, all you have to do is say, well, Miko Rantanen got a point. Nikita Zadorov got a point. And the Rampage lost. In the last couple of minutes, in ridiculous and excruciating yeah. fashion. In the last, yeah, it gave, gave, lost, probably lost the lead. And probably <laughs> did it with under five minutes to go. Yeah, what's been up with them? Have they been going abs turtle lately or what? I haven't watched as many of the games lately. I've been very, 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 very busy, unfortunately. Um, but from what I've read, yes. They yeah. just kind of sit back and they, you know. They don't use their safe word, and it just gets taken to them. <laughs> and the other thing to kind of remember about the Rampage is that they've been pretty gutted by the Avs in terms of personnel. Well, and injury-wise. Like, there's, and, no, yeah. there's no bench street. Agazino got hurt today. There's no Marc-Andre Cliche. There's no Duncan Siemens. I know I'm forgetting somebody that else is, that, that's been hurt for a while. Well, Zach Redmond has been up sitting. Well, and Zach Redmond has been in and... there, and they've been playing Hubert Labrie on purpose. So that's self-inflicted. Yeah. <laughs> one, I guess one kind of bright side of it all is that uh, Cody Corbett is finally, hey, he's finally showing a little bit for for the Avs. He's been picking up, a, consistently picking up some points, playing pretty well for the Rampage now that he's finally getting games. So hopefully when you see Duncan Siemens come back, which should be any day now. Uh, should be tomorrow. He'll be, Corbett will stick around and Labrie will get the boot. But no promises. So um, Nikita Zadorov scores, and you mentioned Rantanen. Uh, we were just about to turn into talking about World Junior when Skype decided to stop having good sound, and then our segue was destroyed. Thank you, Microsoft. Appreciate it. GG. Um, but yeah. Um, but, but before the podcast gets back into your ear holes next, the World Junior championships will have started in uh you know like 700 different places in finland or at least two 702 what's the difference they're pretty much the same um if you've been to two places you've been to 700 yeah for sure absolutely (laughs) but the uh the representatives for the colorado avalanche will be miko rantanen for finland and uh, i believe sergey boykov for for russia that's the plan Mm-hmm. Dude, are we are we sure about boycott yet? I don't think I don't they think one hundred percent. Yeah, they haven't announced their roster yet, but he did attend their training camp. Yeah. Uh, I imagine he's probably going. And it is Russia with defensemen, so you know they kind of have to just take what they get. Sometimes yeah. you th- you think Russia's just kind of ice Vladimir Putin on the blue line for the Olympics. Yeah, well, he's he's amazing. Haven't you seen his YouTube highlights? I believe he scores seven goals a game. <laughs> At least. What do you mean Putin only had a hat trick tonight? Damn. Dude, once you playing hurt. <laughs> this boy's a warrior, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> His teammate, the bear, doesn't even want to fight him. <laughs> um. So, what are we expecting out of World Junior this year? It's uh, 
Canada to win gold. Pro- well, that's to not that goes without saying. But uh, I don't. Who's their goaltender this year? Oh, it's Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah, Canada to win gold. <laughs> <laughs> that's always the big question. Does Canada have a goaltender this year? No. Okay. Well, then somebody else has a chance. <laughs> yep. Canada but, and no. the U.S. do get at least one game guaranteed. It's going to be on the twenty sixth. Uh, at whatever time it's at, I don't know. I'm not going to convert from Finland time here. What is it? It's like it's it's at like 20 hours or something. I don't know. Did it, did it tell you the GMT? Yeah. What is it? Uh, shit. I have to get back to that. It was. It's at. Okay, so 20 is eight o'clock GMT plus two. Okay. So it's at like, 18 GMT. So it should be like 9 a.m. here. Is there actually a nine-hour difference? Oh, I guess to Denver. I'm thinking of Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, my bad. I forget time zones are a thing in the United States. They, they shouldn't be. We should all just be on the same time zone. Yeah, that way... That way the East Coast and West Coast people can stop trying to decide which is best time zone. And that <laughs> way we can stop having 10.30 Eastern starts in San Jose. Spoiler. Um, oh, oh God. So, so the World Junior groups, uh, we have the good group, which is Canada, Sweden, U.S., Denmark, and Switzerland. And we have the bad group, which is Russia, Slovakia, Czech Republic, Finland, and Belarus. Uh-huh. I think we can call that the Finland group. Because, I mean, they will be good. They should dominate that group, and they should be pretty competitive uh, for a medal. But, yeah, the rest of that group is trash. Mm, yeah. Belarus having just lost 7-1 to one to Canada. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Russia's okay. Czech Republic's okay. You know, Slovakia is more... Slovakia's still living in 2002. Slovakia's always good for one really random upset against somebody who's decent. <laughs> At every level of play, that's going to happen. Switzerland is the new Slovakia. They're the little country that could... Well, Switzerland does it by like Switzerland does it pure, through pure defense and goaltending. Slovakia does it by just like what just happened? <laughs> because reasons. Because yeah. reasons. That should be their that should be their team mascot. Because reasons. <laughs> well, do we want to get to questions? I got a couple of questions today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two Twitter questions. Yeah. Uh, we had a, we had some people have some fun with the questions, but uh, we did have two real ones make it down the line that aren't things like is Santa Claus real? Um, <laughs> to, no tw- to which my answer, nope. of course, is yes. He lives in Mark Rycroft's pocket. Yikes! <laughs> Yikes! DNFTO do not feed the octopus asks if this team remains in contention through the deadline. Do you hope they bolster the roster through trade or remain patient? Patient. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. I I feel pretty strongly that the Avs need another top six winger. Um, now you know my I I've been very public about the fact that my hope for that is is Alexander Radulov because I think he's an excellent fit and I think he's a really a guy that you can get you know basically for free just the cost of his contract and and can be a total impact player in the NHL. Yeah. Um, now that said, you know, 
the Avs theoretically you're going into next year with the nine line intact. You're going in with Carl Soderberg. You're going in likely with a Miko Rantanen in the NHL. Um, you're maybe bumping Jerome McGinley down to a third line role. Uh, so I wouldn't mind seeing them pick up somebody um, to kind of play as a as a depth forward. Uh, maybe somebody with term. Uh, I don't want to see them going after a pure rental guy. Like the Avs should have no business going after Kyle Poso. Uh, God. And trying to make a cup run. Um, that's they're not in that position. Um, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing them make an addition uh, somewhere. Somewhere in the roster. Would you be okay with them going after a Pozo if Hamannik was involved? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but then you're, you're dealing with a much bigger, you know, then the question in terms of a structure of like, do I like those two players? Do I like those two players for the Avs and for their future? Yeah, absolutely. But then, you know, you're, you're in a position where the piece you're sending back is so big that you've got, you've got to have serious uh, questions and talks about what kind of piece that is. Is that piece Tyson Berry? Then no, I'm not, I'm not on board with that. Um, is what if, what if Tyson Berry is the based? only NHL player the Avalanche have to give up? I pr- I probably would say no. I'd rather go ahead and keep Tyson Berry and and add that forward, which I think you can get someone as good as a, a Poso somewhere else without having to give up something as important as Tyson Berry. Okay. I mean, they just showed the chart last night. Tyson Berry's even strength production over the last three years. He's the fourth fourth, fourth highest in the NHL behind two points behind P.K. Subban for for even strength production from a defenseman. Uh, I was just so curious. I, he's, I think he's too valuable a guy to let go of um, in a trade like that. I think I think you can get what you get out of Oposo somewhere else. Yeah, I would largely agree. I think that if the Avs can find something fairly cheap that doesn't involve one of their current core players or a very high-end prospect that would, you know, bolster their depth defense or depth forward, that would be great. But What's a high-end prospect to you? Um, what do you consider the guys that you're not okay with? Ratnan, Pickard. Okay. I For me, that, that list is just Bigra, Ratnan. Okay. Yeah. I, I would say that, you know, if we can leave some of those really high-end guys intact – Maybe we move somebody else or do something, but I, I would much rather the Avs have patience at the deadline, not do anything rash, and reassess this summer, especially with the uh, rattle of possibility. Um, uh, this year, it would be great if they made the playoffs. I mean, that would be outstanding, but if they don't, whatever. Um I would like to see growth from the team. I would like to see them get close to the playoffs, but this isn't the year to make big decisions. Um, I would much rather them get to summer, reassess, and aim for next year as the time to really start making those bigger moves to get into the playoffs and hopefully be competitive. Colorado has some really important names to re-sign this summer. Um, unless you're swapping for equal or lesser cap space, I it's going to be hard for you to find a deal that I'm 
going to be on board with at the deadline. Um, and I yeah, and deadline dates are often so awful yeah. too. And I mean, they're they're rash, they're silly. I it's rare that you get a really good. If you deadline make a, a change of scenery I, deal like Elliot for Gormley was, mm -hmm. then you know whatever. That's those those are usually pretty yeah. pretty much a wash either way. Yeah. Yeah. I've thrown this out there a couple times. I know AJ disagrees with me, so I'll you know let him say his piece on that too. But um, <laughs> if I'm the Avs, one thing I'm looking for right now is I'm probably testing the market for Nick Holden as you get closer to the playoffs, uh, because I think. Mm -hmm. I think teams are going to see what he's done this year, uh, which has been pretty positive, and he's playing a lot of minutes. Um, but he's doing that alongside Tyson Berry, who's helping him a lot, out in a lot of ways. Uh, and, it, you know, I'm looking at this Avs team, and I see Chris Bigara waiting in the wings. I see Nikita Zadorov, who, you know, arguably should already be up with the team. Um, and they're going to need to start clearing out some bodies. I think they like Brandon Gormley um, and probably want to, to see him come back next year. Uh, so, you know, there you've already got Bosham and Holden Gormley. You've got three guys on the left side. You've got no room to get a new body in the lineup. And I think that's if the Avs are out of it uh, or are very close, but out of it at the playoffs uh, or, or at the trade deadline. Maybe Nick Holden is a guy where you can pick up a late, you know, where you can pick up a valuable pick or you can pick up a prospect from somebody who's <clears throat> desperate to add defense that is hard to find at the deadline. I would also hope that the Avs are looking at shopping Reto Barrett right now. Um, I'm not expecting much in return, but unlike in the past couple of years, he actually does have a little bit of trade value this year. He's shown that he can be a very reliable backup. Um, I would like to see them possibly move him, especially when you have somebody like Cal Pickard waiting in the wings. Um, that's another guy that if we can get something out of him just to clear up that roster spot, that would be great. I also do kind of want to clarify that, uh, we talk about remaining in contention. Uh, Colorado are still three points out of the nearest playoff spot um, behind Nashville, who also has a game in hand, and they have had to been the second hottest team in the NHL to get there. So it's a, it's a fun thought experiment. I don't know how much we can really rely on the premise at the end of the day. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, it, the, the obvious caveat here is that what – you know, what we consider contention is often different than what the team or, or what Patrick Watt considers contention. Um, you know, the, the way they talked last season, they were in, in it and in the race for the playoffs much later than anyone else in the league considered them in it. So, um, I, I think they have, a I think the room and Patrick Watt, and probably some of the staff have a lot of faith in this team and think that they can overcome that three-point gap. I think they're probably looking around the league and seeing where they are compared to the Pacific Division and uh, and thinking about themselves as hunting for a playoff spot still at this point in the season. Uh, I think they'd have to be quite a ways out by the deadline for them to consider themselves sellers. Um, but I hope they're still exploring moving some of the kind of excess bodies that are that are around. 
I would agree. And I would also say that, you know, feeling like you're still in it and you're still making that push is one thing in the room uh, for the mentality of the players versus, you know, in the front office where Sackick is making the calls. Uh you know, I don't read too much into what Patrick Wall was saying last year about how they're still in it and all of this, because sometimes you have to tell yourself that as a sports team that, yes, you know, we can't still turn this around. We can't still make a push for the playoffs. We, you know, we can get this figured out, even though, you know, logically it, it's not really going to happen. So I, that's just that one little thought that what was saying may not be what's actually happening in the front office who I think after a really poor summer in um, what was that 2014 have actually done a pretty good job. I've been very happy with our front office of late. I think that they have a, a clear direction of where the team is going and where the team's at and the moves that they need to make to, in a lot of ways, correct the mistakes they made in 2014. And finally, uh, Wildcat84A wants us to gut the rampage even farther. Um, he says, on a team looking for offensive talent down the lineup, why isn't Hishin getting a look based on pedigree alone? Because where do you put him, dude? Yeah, he doesn't. This is, this is the biggest thing that I, that confuses me when people are like, "Oh, the, the Avalanche should call up Ranton, or they should call up Hishin. It's like, where do you play him? You know, the Avalanche are predominantly healthy with with older, well respected veterans that you're not just going to be like, you know. I, I mean, I know it's easy for random internet, you know, internet poster to be like, "Oh, we'll just fucking don't play Alex Tangay, just sit him, or put Jerome McGinley on the fourth line, or some shit." Like, I, I get that that's easy to do, but you don't you don't do that in an actual real life locker room. You don't, you don't treat guys that way. You don't treat veterans that way. You know, you don't, you don't say, Oh, well, Miko Rantanen has had, you know, 20 good AHL games or 25 good AHL games. So clearly we should be putting him in Denver over guys who have, you know, very, very distinguished NHL careers and then playing him 16 minutes a night, no matter what. Like, you know, and at the end of the day, those guys haven't earned it yet. And Jerome McGinley is still sitting on nine goals and 17 points in 34 games. And Alex Tenge is still, you know, has more production than John Mitchell and Cody McLeod and Jack Skilly and any of those guys. He's still got nine points in 23 games. So, you know, Joey Hishin is a great story. He's a guy I root for all the time. But he has, what, like three points in his NHL career in... 18 games, 20 games, something like that. He And he hasn't done the work in San Antonio this year to prove that he should be up. There's no spot, and there's no justification for playing him over anybody who's in the lineup tonight. And I know and I know, lots of San Antonio people would say that Colin Smith has outplayed him. I'll disagree because I, I don't think that's true, but I, you know, there, there's, there's, a, there's an argument to be made there that Colin Smith has been better if if he can't even be the top center. I mean, given that Ben Street and Marc-Andre Cleach have been hurt, if he can't elevate his game when he's been given 
even better opportunities in the AHL than maybe he has been in previous years. What are we doing here? Like, why is this a conversation? Like, Joey Hishin's easy to root for. Like, like Cole was saying, like it's it's easy to do. Everybody's going to root for him. But coming up with a legitimate argument for putting him or even Colin Smith in, I mean, even Andrew Agazino in the NHL consistently, it you're you're going to have a real hard time with that. Because for the first time in a long time, I mean, the Avalanche, the Avalanche are healthy, and you really, you really can't make a strong argument where you say, like, I know, I know, people are tired of watching Jerome McGinley. I've certainly been tired of watching Jerome McGinley be not very good this year. But you don't look at random AHL player and say, oh, he's definitely going to be better. We should totally just throw him out there for eighteen minutes a night, sixteen minutes a night, because that's that's always. You know, that's always going to work out great. What the hell? These these guys are in the AHL for a reason, you know. And also, I mean, if we're talking about the Avs goal scoring, Colorado is currently seventh in the league in goals for. I mean, I haven't looked at goals per game and all of that, but the Avs offense currently is working the way it's set up. So that I don't really see any reason to mess with it. Yeah, again, that's not been great. Tangay's not been great. We've got some depth guys that are, you know, depth guys. But by and large, scoring is not the problem right now. Uh, so I really see no reason to mess with it unless there is an injury or, you know, Hishin is just absolutely tearing up the AHL and just you know, stomping down the door, demanding that, you know, he gets a call up with his play. And from what I've, um, you know, heard and read and in some cases seen, that's that's not the case right now. So, you know, if injuries do hit, you know, knock on wood, hopefully they won't. Um, maybe give him a call up, but until then, no, there's absolutely no reason to mess with what is clearly working for the Avs. There are two guys beating down the door to get into the NHL right now from San Antonio. Uh, and there's no space for them, and there's arguably good reason to keep them down there. It, Joey Hishin just isn't one of them. Yeah. If he starts producing like Miko Rantanen, you can start having that conversation. But he just is not doing it right now. Right now, he's a good guy for the depth team, for the, for the AHL team. Hopefully, he'll help them start winning some games again so that that can continue to be a solid development. Uh, system for the Avalanche, but that's his job right now. Uh, he's he's got no business being in the NHL today. Yeah, I mean, you just I don't I don't know where where people think that they're going to get a legitimate upgrade in the AHL outside of maybe like putting Siemens where Nate Gannon is playing. And again, I mean, that's a night after Nate Gannon had a pretty strong game in an NHL game. So, you know, Edmonton Oilers joke aside, yeah, you know, yeah, (laughs) they are 14 first overall picks away from (laughs) competency. Man, at the can last night, I kind of wanted to run up to some Oilers fans, give them a hug, and tell them everything will be all right because it won't be. It's a toxic, toxic situation. I mean, they're. They're running castoffs out there yep. in net every Here night. Here come the Oilers. 
I have never seen defensemen as bad in the offensive and neutral zone as Edmonton's entire squad last night. You know, maybe Sakara and Nurse aside, but the rest of them were oh, Nurse is going to be hot awesome. garbage. Nurse is awesome. Yeah. But, but remember when Nurse Justin Schultz awesome. was a savior? I <laughs> well, I mean, they're paying how much money for Andre Sakara? A whole lot. A lot. Like, yeah. like, and as much as I really liked him last summer, like I was very happy the Avalanche mm-hmm. drew that line in the sand. Like yeah. right now, they look like geniuses for going Francois Beauchemin. Oh yeah, as their as their guy. You know, Beauchemin. we'll see. We'll see how that that looks over the course of three years because the Avs looked really good for the first year of a Gimla too. But oof. Five point five for Sakara over over I think five years. Six it's six. Six years over yeah. six years. Yeah. It takes him it takes yeah. him to thirty five into his into his thirties, yeah. Like and that's, that's with an that's with a no move as well. Everybody gets a no move anymore. Well, I think yeah. Yep. yeah. I think the thing with Boschman and even again to some extent is now the Avs actually have a farm team that's worth a damn and they've got a lot of young prospects who are kind of knocking up on the door. And I think that even if you are paying them a lot of money as the, the veterans, as their play um, declines, you know, you stick them on a lower line, figure out how to work the cap, um, bring up the kids and you're still going to be fine. Um, so Iginla's contract and Boschman's contract based on just what they're doing may not be great as it gets into the later years. But I think that on the whole, the team will still be okay. I don't think those contracts are going to kill the team by any means or even the team's cap situation, especially if you're bringing up young, talented, cheap guys to uh, augment their roles. So, upcoming games. Colorado play on Tuesday, the 21st. That's at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, if you hear any Tyson Berry trade rumors in the next couple of days, you know why. And then, uh-huh. we take a several-day break for Christmas. The podcast will be doing the same. Hope everyone has a nice holiday break. We'll see you back on Sunday, the 27th. A game against Arizona. That's at 6 o'clock Mountain. And then turn around and travel the next day to San Jose um, for an 8.30 start against the Sharks to 10.30 Eastern. Um, I will repeat my line that I think California should push their state closer if they want to be a part of our league. (laughs) On Thursday, Colorado return home for a New Year's Eve tilt with Chicago Blackhawks, 6 (laughs) o'clock Mountain. And then on Saturday, the 2nd, play against Calgary at 8 so it's a lot of very winnable games coming up in the next few days. Um, a five-game win streak is already pretty long, but there's a lot of points on the table here. All I know is I'm mad that that bitch Myrtle won't be in Denver with the with the Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not coming to face the music <laughs> like a man. You call him a ha- call, call him a rat running around out there. Absolutely. Doesn't want to okay. hashtag face music. Absolutely. You're just a better leader, I guess. 
I was just disappointed. I was like, yo, you're going to be in Denver? And he was like, no, I've never come out to Denver. And I'm like, yeah, real easy to throw stones now, isn't it, dick? <laughs> yeah, that's a nice... Uh, I hadn't really looked all that closely at that part of the schedule coming up. That's really generous for the Avs. Yeah, the Leafs, who aren't playing um, badly, but are still the Leafs at the end of the day. Uh, the Coyotes, who just, are way over their head. Are th- are they putting Jonathan Bernier in on uh, Tuesday? Was rejected starter because well, he just played well their last game, so probably. That's an auto win. He got so. his win out. Of, well, you know that whoever gets the first shot has a real good chance of scoring. Um. <laughs> well, but again, this is the Avs, so you know, put Bernier in should be an automatic win, which means it's an automatic loss for this team because reasons. Fearless yeah. prediction, I'm going to say the Avs go 3-1 and one in that stretch. One, two, three, four, five. Which stretch? Oh, okay. oh to the Flames. 3-1-1, uh, okay. and one, I'll say. Over over that stretch up to the Flames on, on the second. I think I I think Varlamov is is just, you know, I, there's no sign of this going away right now. He's, he's, we've seen him do this before. Uh, it'll start off with a nice win over the Maple Leafs and go into the go into the break on a win streak. I think they're, I think they're feeling good and and gonna get that gonna get that done at home on Monday. Anybody else have fearless predictions? I think they beat the Maple Leafs on Monday, but I don't have any confidence in that. I definitely feel like they beat Arizona. San Jose, I don't feel good about because they never play well in San Jose. And Chicago, I feel good about just because it's Chicago and it's Varley and it's New Year's Eve and it's going to be, everybody's going to be crazy amped up for that game. So I think that's just, more than anything, I think it's going to be a really fun game. Can should be rocking. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll be in the stands for that game. That'll be sweet. I don't know if I have necessarily a fearless prediction, but the Avs, should beat Toronto, whether they will or not, um, is kind of a question. This team, after they get on a bit of a roll, there's always that letdown game um, where they just don't show up. And I have a feeling that it's likely to happen either against Toronto or Arizona. So hopefully it doesn't. Those are both very winnable games. Um, But again, the, the mental fortitude of this team, I have questions about so uh, if i did have to make a prediction i would go about like what cole said about three one and one or three and two um the, the nice thing about our early season is that we played a ton of road games which means that we're gonna have a lot here at home and if we can find a way to take care of especially those games from here on out we actually have a pretty decent chance at making the playoffs, which I thought was completely out of the question even a month ago. So um, all I know is that they need to find a way to take care of business, and they certainly have the talent and the potential to do so, but whether or not they actually get it all put together is who knows with this team. Who knows? There you go. Shout out to the Avs for giving us hope this year. Yeah, they've definitely 
I, I really am proud of how well this team has turned it around lately. Um, they had a putrid start, and I thought it was going to be a lot like last year. But they've actually managed to dig themselves out um, and at least get back kind of sort of maybe into the conversation, which, again, is a lot more than I expected. Um, so kudos to them. Kudos to them for you know starting to fix their possession numbers and get headed in the right direction. Still not there yet. Still a long way to go. Still playing fairly bleh hockey a lot of the time, but less, oh my god, what what is this? I'll take bleh over uh any day. So we're trying to we're trying to decipher the optimism between Andy's caveman grunts. <laughs> yeah. That's what we've that's what this has devolved uh, into. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm kind of where yep. you guys are. It's not a ten points book it, but it's definitely every game should be, every ten game should be winnable. At the very least, every game they should be able to come yeah. home with a point. Uh, we we missed our opportunity to book it here earlier by making fun of AJ Greer and how bad he is and how he's not a real prospect because I'm an idiot and I don't know. No, what we're I'm all talking idiots about. who don't know what we're talking about. Otherwise, we would have front office jobs in the NHL. Isn't that how that goes? I don't know. I would have, I, you know, I clearly know what I'm talking about. I'm the man. Haven't you been, no. haven't you been told? Jeez. Oh, here goes AJ big time. And I won, I won an award, you know. <laughs> <laughs> A major award. Oh, yeah. And For the Julie, most, the most ridiculous award, the most ridiculous award uh, ever given out ever in the history <laughs> of humanity that I... That I immediately poured alcohol into and began drinking from. The Leaky Jack Adams. I, I think awesome. I'm about to start playing this out here. <laughs> what, where does this story? <laughs> oh, no, we just had our, we had our BS at end of the year party. I won an award. I poured alcohol into it. There was a leak in the bottom of it, so my alcohol <laughs> began leaking out of it. And so I had to just drink everything in there as quickly as possible. And it was, it was a whole fiasco. It's now sitting on my desk. It's actually right next to me, and I plan to plug that leak and drink from it again someday. <laughs> Maybe when you defend whatever title it is. Well, it was a coach of the year for being the best editor, um, and uh, yeah, so we refer to right. it as the Jack Adams, and it is now forever enshrined as the. That, that Jack would be Adams. like just a great pub name. <laughs> Yes, let's go meet at the Leaky Jack Adams. Yeah, it's a thing. All right, well, we'll see all of you guys at the Leaky Jack in a couple of weeks after the holiday break. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and thanks to the three of you for joining me today. Um, make sure to follow the podcast on iTunes, rate and review and subscribe and do all those things. Uh, keep an eye on MileHighHockey.com for abs news and updates, and as well as the reporting that's being done over at BSN Avalanche. You guys are, you know, doing good stuff like you always do good shit and everything like that uh soundcloud.com slash my hockey podcast mixcloud.com just my hockey podcast follow the site at twitter at my hockey and on facebook.com slash my hockey hope everyone has a great holiday break we will see you back in a couple of weeks
let's let's give Skype a minute to calm down. I'm getting really crunchy audio here. Man, don't say crunchy. This just makes me want to go out and get some cereal. I already had some cereal today. Oh, fuck you, buddy. Now you're re- I really got to do this now. Felt good, man. Oh, yeah, go if you want to go grab some, feel free. I think this is going to probably be a little bit noisy for a minute. No, I would have to go to the store to buy cereal. I don't actively keep it here. Otherwise, I would eat it. I see. Not stop. If you like me with Frosted Flakes. Yeah, kind of. Like, I could just eat, like, a box of Cheerios and just keep pouring it into the bowl and just go, go, go all day for whatever reason. It's uh, so good. <laughs> this is why anytime I play League with AJ, I try to uh, always get a bowl of cereal and just eat while we're playing, while we're on Skype. Oh, oh what a dick. It takes him a couple <laughs> minutes, and then he's like, wait, are you are you eating a bowl of cereal? And I'm like, yeah, man, it's fucking great. Such an asshole. <laughs> you are that guy. You are the cereal guy. It's all right, though. I, you know, I've got willpower. It always makes me feel better, though, because he'll eat that cereal, and then I'll watch him play bot lane, and I'll be like, maybe that's what cereal does to your game. I think I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) This is your game. This is your game on cereal. Nope, 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 nope. I'll pass. (laughs) 